Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. Hey, welcome to Soul City Church. What's happening, y'all? We're keeping this part in. Hey, uh, I want to welcome you here. Those of you who are here in the building, just say, hey, hey, what's good to see y'all? Hey, hey, it's good to see you and be in person with you. Those of uh, who are joining us online, whether it's live right now or you're listening or watching later, we're so glad that you carved out this time uh, to connect with God, to grow a relationship with him. We believe there's nothing more important in your life than to know and to follow God, to say yes to him with every aspect of your life. And I'm excited to kick off this new teaching series today. Uh, It is something we've been looking forward to for a while. But before I get to it, I do want to just say something uh, this week, because Brandon mentioned it a second ago. We are uh, have kicked off this month, Black History Month, and I just want to just take a moment as one of your lead pastors here to recognize that there is no American history without black history. They're not two separate things. It's not, and that black history is way bigger than American history. Okay, so there's a bigger story, and what we want to do in our messages for the next couple weeks is just carve out some time to honor some folks that have made a significant difference here in this city and around the world. And today I am uh, really pleased to honor a spiritual giant from our city, Reverend Dr. Arthur Dedrick Griffin, who served for many, many, many years, not just a couple blocks away from here, as the senior pastor of First Baptist Congregational Church over on Ashland. You've probably driven by that beautiful, beautiful church. He served there for 46 years. How's that for faithfulness? 46 years. And in his overall 50 years, 50 plus years of ministry, he was known for his activism. He was known to be one who was dear and deep friends with Dr. Martin Luther King. He walked with King. He had him to his church. He had him over to his house for meals. And he championed the causes that brought better circumstances and conditions to black and brown folks right here in our neighborhood and in our city and across the country. And he is a, he is a character, y'all. I, w- I was talking to his nephew, Chris, earlier this week. He was a code breaker in World War II, and he used classical music to help break codes. I mean, this guy's been out there doing it. He has lived a uh, life. But one of the things I love most about Dr. Griffin is that he was an early avid champion for women in Christian ministry. He was saying it before anyone else was saying it. And truly a pioneer, this, this church, our church, and this city, our city, and this country is indebted to this great man for his life and legacy. We want to honor him. So can we honor Dr. Griffin today? <laughs> Reverend Dr. Griffin. I love that his nephew, Chris, Reverend Chris, has become one of my friends and has been a part of our church for many years. It's personal, y'all. So we're going to keep celebrating and honoring the lives that have changed our lives. Uh, today, we are kicking off as... As Brandon said, and I said a second ago, a new series called Red Flags. Y'all know what red flags are in relationships, right? I mean, it's kind of one of those things like you don't know it till you see it, you know? Like you ever have one of those things where you're with someone and you're like, oh, oh, no. Like it has a sound. It's like, oh, no, oh, right? Like if you've been with someone, if you've been with someone for more than a couple of months and they have yet to introduce you to any of their family or friends, red flag. That's a red flag. Oh, no. So we're going to be talking about red flags in this series on relationships. And we're going to be looking to the Bible at red flag relationships all throughout the Bible. Because, listen, if you felt kind of bad about your life or your relationships, you're going to be so encouraged over the next month. Because there are some messed up stories in this book. And today we're going to be talking about a relationship that all of us actually have in common. All different stories, but all of us have this relationship in common. In fact, it's the only relationship in your life that you didn't get to choose. 
In fact, I would contend that it is the one relationship that has the greatest effect on all your other relationships. It's not your relationship with your barber. It's not your relationship with your barista, as sacred as those may be. We're going to talk about the relationship you have with your family. Specifically, we're going to talk about red flags in your family. Yours specifically. We're going to talk about your family today. I'm going to bring them all up. On, yep, you. On screen. We're going to put them up on screen. Listen anyone, who ha, listen, anyone who has a family, anyone who has a family has red flags in their family. Can we just level the playing field here? Anyone who has a family has got some red flags in their family. So what we're going to do is we're going to ask God to help us spot them, to understand how we've got them in our family, and what can we do with them? How can we bring them to God for healing and freedom that he promises for each and every one of us? A second ago, Pastor Brandon had you share one word to describe your family. And I just want to say a word about my family. I love my family. I'm so grateful to God for my family. In fact, I bought a picture as an old family picture. That's actually an old church directory family picture. Some of y'all are old enough to know exactly what that is. That's what that is right there. Uh, this is my family and from many, many years ago, rocking some feathered hair and butterfly collars. Don't even sleep on our family. It's, I love my family. I'm grateful for each and every person that's a part of my family. And if I had to sum up my family in one word, the word that instantly came to mind for me was stories. Our family loves telling stories, and we got a lot of stories to tell in my family. And we tell the same stories over and over and over again, but they never get old for some reason. They just don't get old. This last week uh, would have been my dad's birthday. It is my dad's birthday, but he's not here to celebrate it with us anymore. And so some members of our family got together on Zoom to do what? To share stories. And we all got to share some stories about my dad. One of the ones that came up that my mom brought up, I've heard a thousand times, but I just cannot believe this is the thing that happened. My dad was a character, y'all. It's a miracle I'm here. That man, listen, he, one year, he thought it'd be funny for his friend's 40th birthday, he went to a car auction and bought an ambulance, a full functioning ambulance, because why not? If you had a chance to buy an ambulance, why wouldn't you? And so what he did is they kidnapped her for her 40th birthday, put her in the back, strapped her down, and then drove around town with sirens fully blaring on the speaker outside saying, it's Marty's 40th birthday, everyone, driving all around the San Francisco Bay Area until he got pulled over because come to find out that's very illegal. You cannot do that. All right. That's just one story. Another story that we just shared that I'd forgotten about, it's been a while since I heard this one, was a long time ago, before I came in the scene, back when my oldest siblings were little, my dad won a beauty salon in a poker game. Just run that sentence back, okay, to understand where I come from. My dad won a beauty salon in a poker game. And somehow the little kids, my oldest siblings, had gotten into it and had stolen a bunch of the really nice expensive wigs that were in there. And my dad didn't know. And they'd gotten them for them and all their friends. And so one day my dad drove home from work and he sees all these little five, six, seven-year-olds riding around on their bikes with bouffant hair and like these gorgeous wigs. All these kids in the neighborhood just wearing out, just wearing wigs. Because why not? Because if you got it, flaunt it, right? So Listen, that, I, we have a lot, a lot of stories in my family to share. And, and just like your family, there's lots of stories that we tell. And then also, though, there's lots of stories we don't tell, right? And we all got those too. We got those stories that we don't talk about. Those relatives that we don't really talk about. You know, the things that I found out years later as an adult that I could actually, after a couple of margaritas, get my grandma to spill. But like, I wouldn't know unless she would tell me because we have all these stories that we just don't talk about or we don't, every family has just as many stories as they do secrets. 
And lots of times the red flags in our families are found in those secrets, those things that we don't talk about, that we don't share. And, and honestly, they're probably the things we should be talking about. They're the things that we should be naming, the things that we should be bringing to the surface, the things that we should bring to light. There, there, there are patterns in each and every one of our families, patterns that have actually played out for generations, struggles that have been a part of your family story for as long as, as anyone can remember. And so what I want to just maybe have us consider for the next couple moments is simply this question. Does your family, listen, does your family history determine your future legacy? Now think about your family and the stories that we tell and the ones that we don't. Does your family history determine your future legacy, the story that will be told of your life or your family one day? In other words, does all that came before, is that all that God has in store for you? Is it just that? Just more of the same. Are the past patterns and sins and struggles that are part of your family history, all that, is that all you got to look forward to in your future? Is that it? Like some sort of inescapable inheritance that impacts every relationship in your life? Or could God have so much more in store for you? Could God have so much more in store for you, for your family and for your future family? Over the course of this series, as I said, we're going to be looking at relationships in the Bible to help us recognize red flags in our own relationships. And today we're going to look at a family. In fact, we're going to look at a multi-generational family and how patterns have had a way of playing out in their family generation after generation after generation until they were finally brought into the light. And my, my hope is that for, for you today is that you would be able to begin to do just that, that you would follow God's invitation to bring all of your story into the light and experience the freedom that God actually has for you. And listen, this is important. It's not freedom from your family. It's freedom for your family, that you might actually be the one that brings some freedom to your family. So let's explore what that looks like by diving in together in Genesis chapter 12. Okay. If you have a Bible with you, awesome. Open it. We'll mark you down for extra credit. If not in this room, there should be a soul city Bible under your seat or on the armrest. You can turn to Genesis 12 and that's page nine in the soul city Bible. Those of you worshiping with us online, just open a separate tab, open your phone to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to dive into one of the first families that we get to see play out in the story of the Bible. Now, here's the thing. I want to warn you about something right now. We are going, your fingers are going to get a workout today. You can count this. Like if you have a fitness tracker, turn it on now because we're actually going to move through 20 chapters of the book of Genesis and about 300 years of biblical history in the next couple minutes. All right. So just kind of get stretched, do whatever you got to do because we are going to move through it. So let's Look at Genesis chapter 12. Let me give you some quick context. At, at this point in the story, God has come to a man named Abram and he's given Abram a, a vision. He's given Abram a promise. He says to him that, Abram, one day you are going to have a family, but not only a family, I'm going to make your family a nation. Out of your family, a nation will be born. My people will come from your family. Now, this is very significant because at this point in Abram's, his wife Sarai's story, they were 70 years old and they had yet to have one kid which carried a lot of shame in that culture in that day, that they were that old and they had no one to pass on their family to. They're 70. They don't even have one kid. God says, no, I'm not just going to give you one. I'm going to give you a nation. I'm so much bigger than anything you can imagine. And, and if, maybe for those of you who grew up around church, you know about this because of that song you sang in church growing up, Father Abraham had many sons. It's a bop. Had many sons have Father Abraham. <laughs> Stomp it out. Someone get ready, right? You, 
It all comes from right here in Genesis 12, but we don't have time for me to sing the whole song and tell the whole story. So this is just a couple verses after God gives Abram that massive vision. Just maybe a couple months, as best we can tell, a couple months after that divine moment, we're going to see Abram do something that begins a pattern that carries out generation after generation after generation in his family. He's entering into the empire of Egypt and he's scared. And so this is what happens. Genesis 12, let's start in verse 11. It says this, as he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. Pause. Men, just stop there. I just want to say, just say that and then stop there. But he keeps talking. And that's when we're going to get into some trouble here. He could have just said, I know that you're so beautiful. That's it. Let's keep walking. And that would have been, we wouldn't be reading the story today. But he keeps going. He says, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife and they'll kill me, but they'll let you live. In essence, they're going to take you from me and kill me because you are my wife. Verse 13. So here's what I want you to do. Say you are my what? Say you are my gross. (laughs) Say you're my sister. And look at what he says. Why? So that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. Everyone on the count of three, say red flag. One, two, three. Red flag. Ladies, let's just bring this into the modern world. If you're out on a date and anytime any dude says to you as you're walking into the restaurant, hey, is it cool if you just act like my sister while we're here just to see how things go? Red flag. That's a red flag, right? That's exactly what he does. But pay attention because it's the deception that begins here that's carried out for generations. It starts with the deception. Hey, let's just, I know God gave us this vision. I know he gave us promise, but let's take the wheel of God's will and kind of bend it our way just a little. Because if I'm dead, how can I fulfill this vision that God gave me? So you see what happens. It starts right here. Things so subtle and so simple, but it begins to carry out. In fact, eventually, Abram and Sarah actually do have a son. It's a very complicated, very messy story. Again, with them trying to manipulate the will of God, but they do have a son named Isaac. They name him Isaac. And when he is older, Abraham and Sarah's son, Isaac, does something that, well, let's just say sounds familiar. All right. So now turn to Genesis 26 to so go a couple pages over in the Soul City Bible. Just jump to page 20, Genesis 26. For those of you who are worshiping with us at home, just see if this maybe doesn't sound at least a little bit familiar. Genesis 26, 7. This is now Abram's son, Isaac. And when the men of that place in the land that they were living in asked him, Isaac, about his wife, he said, she is my what? (laughs) I mean, like identical. She's my sister. No, no, she's my sister. Because he was afraid to say she is my wife. He thought the men of this place might kill me on account of Rebecca because she is so At least Abraham said, you're beautiful. I mean, he didn't even say that. And then he said, you're going to act like my sister, exactly like Abraham did with Sarah. This is just one generation later, we see it play out. The pattern has begun in this family. And we begin to see it play out because that's not all. Many years later, Isaac, after going through his own journey, has twin sons, Jacob and Esau. And he is still now carrying the blessing that God gave to Abraham, was passed on to Isaac. And now Isaac is going to pass it on to his firstborn son. And his firstborn son among these twins is Esau by like five seconds. 
but he's technically the firstborn. And so the birthright blessing is belonging to Esau. But Jacob, his son, comes to him because at this point in Isaac's life, he was old. He couldn't really see anymore. And he figured out, Jacob said, if I can fool my father into thinking I'm Esau, I can trick him into giving me the blessing. And that's exactly what happens. Genesis 27, just move one page over. Genesis 27, verse 19. Jacob said to his father, I am Esau. I am Esau. I'm not Jacob. I'm Esau. Your firstborn. No, he wasn't. He's deceiving him. He's lying to him. And he says, I've done what you've told me. So please sit up, eat this meal that I've prepared for you so that you may give me your blessing. Here it is again. Next generation down. Deception, lying, manipulation. We see, and here's the crazy thing about Jacob's plan. It worked. God still worked through that person taking the wheel of God's will. And God blessed him. And Jacob went on his own journey, being lied to, having, I mean, having to sit with the consequences of that sin and how that played out in his life. But it wasn't until many years later that we see the pattern continue to play out. Jump to Genesis 37. Go ahead. It's a couple pages more. Genesis 37, page 32 in the Soul City Bible. Jacob is now himself an old man. And at this point in his life, he had 12 sons. That's a lot of sons. And he had 12, like that's a lot. You could form your own NBA team with just the, like LeVar Ball ain't got nothing on him because he has 12 sons. But of these 12 sons, he had a favorite. And I know those of you who are parents, I know you don't have a favorite. That's why we're looking at the Bible to see how messed up these people are. But he had a favorite. Jacob had a favorite. And it was his son, Joseph. He loved Joseph. And Joseph was special. And so he had treated him differently than he treated the other siblings. And they hated Joseph for it. There was so much jealousy over this special privileged son. And so in a a jealous rage, the other brothers decided to murder Joseph. And they threw him into a pit and they're trying to figure out how to do it. What are we going to do to get rid of this problem of dad's favorite here? And somewhere along the way, cooler heads prevailed, and they decided that instead of murdering Joseph, they would settle on selling him into slavery. Because, you know, compromises. So they decided to sell their brother into slavery, and that's exactly what they did. They sold him off into slavery. But then you see the pattern play out again. They said, well, how are we going to explain this to our father? We don't even have a receipt. What are we going to do? So they took this special coat, this ornate coat that Jacob had given his son, Joseph. And look what they did. Genesis 37, verse 31. They got Joseph's robe and they slaughtered a goat and they dipped the robe in the blood. And then they took this ornate robe back to their father and said, we found this. I don't know what happened, but we found this. Examine it to see whether this looks like Joseph's robe. Do you think something could have happened to him? And they lied to their father that, oh, I think Joseph was murdered when they knew darn well that they had just sold their brother into slavery. There it is again. You see it start with Abraham. 
And some four generations later, deception, self-preservation, manipulation, those same red flags keep playing themselves out generation after generation after generation. Does any of this sound at all familiar to your family? Are there things that you look at in your life right and go, how is this a part of my life? And you've never even stopped to examine where it started generations ago. So why spend all this time, move through some 20 chapters of the book of Genesis, spend all this exhaustive energy walking through this one family story? Why do all of that? Well, it's to prove one simple point that is true of this family, and it's true of my family, and it's true of your family. The patterns that go unnamed go unchanged. Think about it. No, think about it. The patterns that go unnamed in your life and in your family, if you don't name it, if you don't recognize it, if you don't call it out for what it is, it ain't going to change. And guess what you're going to do? You're going to hand it off to the next generation. And so on, and so on, and so on. Your family, my family, every family carries cycles and patterns of sin that go back generations. Oftentimes, they are ignored or unnamed Lots of times they can be minimized until they become normalized. That's just how it is. That's just our family. That's just how they are. That's just how it's always been. And so many of the choices that you and I make in this now moment are either a reflection of that pattern or a reaction to it. Oftentimes without us even realizing it. Red flags handed down from one generation to the next that may have started decades ago, long before you ever even got here, but they're affecting the way you live your life today. They're affecting your relationships. They're affecting the way you view finances. They're affecting the struggles in your life, addiction in your life, the way that you view and interact with God. It can, it can be traced back. You can find oftentimes that this, you are not the first one in your family that there was something there before. And so what I want to do is illustrate how this happens, and it happens in, in my family and every family. So I've asked some, some volunteers to come help out. we got some friends here that are going to stand in place as your family. They're going to act like your family, so be nice to them. Uh, this is Julian, Lewis, and Bianca. Can we say hello to each of them? I'm going to have you two face Grandpa Julian. Grandpa Julian, a respected <laughs> elder here. Grandpa Julia is going to stand right there. And here's what happens. Here's what happens in our, in our, our lives. Long time ago, before you ever even got here, Grandpa Julian had some habits, had some patterns, had some sins in his life. And, and some of them weren't that big. You know, it's like Grandpa Julian was always late to everything. I don't know why Grandpa Julian was always late. Or Grandpa Julian never really showed up to family things, family functions, right? But oftentimes they can also be a lot more serious. Oh yeah, Grandpa Julian wrestled with addiction. And we don't really talk about that much, but yeah, that was a part of a story. Or he suffered abuse as a child. Or he, he was the product of divorce. Or he got a divorce himself. And without ever really exploring it or, or examining it, what ends up happening is Grandpa Julian then handed these things off to his little grandson here, Louis. And what ends up happening in Louis's life is he kind of gets these things without ever maybe even realizing it or recognizing it doesn't really know where these patterns or cycles began. And then he gets to add some of his own to there as well. Like he's just going to pick up some stuff along the way himself. And so now he's carrying all of these things, some of which are uh, connected to his choices, some of which were handed down before he ever even realized what was going on. And then without ever exploring or asking or inviting God into these things, what does he do? He turns around and hands them off to Bianca. 
his daughter Bianca, without even realizing it. And now we see a pattern begin to happen in a family that began generations ago. And again, she's going to pick up her own things. She's making her own choices and there's consequences and things that she's dealing with, struggles that she's walking through right now. But she's carrying with her burdens. She's carrying with her brokenness that began generations ago. And she doesn't even recognize and maybe even necessarily realize it. And what, what can happen is, is that she can try and, and, and turn around and go and try and move forward with her life. But the problem is she's not going to get very far because what's going to happen? She's going to end up hitting a wall. She's going to realize that, man, I don't know why it is that relationships are so challenging for me. Why is it that intimacy is so hard for me to experience? Why is it that I continue to have these financial struggles? Where did this come from? Why do I continue to wrestle with this addiction in my life? I don't even know where this started for me. And so it's so hard for her to move forward. Why? The reason is because she's never actually turned back around and named what came before her and said, this is what it was. This is where it came from. Facing the red flags that again may go back generations, generations. And maybe you come from a family where you were taught, well, we don't talk about things like this. I mean, what, what, what's the good in bringing it up? We're here, aren't we? You grew up in a good home. What are you complaining about? And you were shunned or silenced for asking questions or wanting to experience healing in your life. Or, or maybe you grew up in a culture that said, well, man, don't worry about that. We got enough stuff to deal with. I don't got time for this. Going through my family tree. I don't got time for that. And you know that maybe you grew up in a family where there were just as many secrets as there were stories that you shared and that you told. Or, or maybe for you, maybe you just want to, you just don't want to deal with it because you like got a taste of it. You saw it and were like, nope, too much. Can't handle it. Too messy. Don't even know where to begin. Don't even know if I can do that in myself. And is it any wonder why relationships, addiction, struggles, financial hardship, those things can be a part of our life today is because we haven't actually ever turned around and faced them in our story never ever explored. Why is it that no one talks to or about that one relative? We just act like they don't exist, but I think they're legally a part of our family. So I'm just going to ignore it. I'm just going to ignore it. What ends up happening is you, you cannot get very far in life. You cannot move forward in your life unless you're willing to actually turn around and name the red flags that came before you. And here's what I found in, in, in trying to do this work as best I can, and many of you have found as well, is that the biggest red flag in your family, the biggest red flag is not any of these. It's not recognizing any of these. That's the real red flag. The biggest red flag is not any one of these particular. It's you not recognizing that there are red flags in your family. It's not acknowledging. It's not bringing them into the light. By refusing to, to, to recognize your family's red flags, you just set yourself up to repeat them and hand them off to the next generation and the next generation. And we'll just kind of keep deferring this thing on carrying burdens that were never ours to carry. Patterns that, that go unnamed, as we said, go unchanged. And look, look, we're seeing this, look, we're seeing the same principle play out right now in our country, aren't we? We don't want to have an honest conversation about our history with racism. We don't want to talk about it. And some, some people are like, why are you even talking about that in church? Talk about Jesus. Do you not see how it's all connected? Yes, yes. We're we in a moment right now where we're refusing to face our past. Yes. 
And anyone that threatens to actually explore or examine that honestly, so no, 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 you can't talk about that. That might make me feel uncomfortable. No, 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 you can't have that book in school because it might actually show you the truth of who we really were, who we really are, and who we possibly could be. But no, 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 don't turn around. Don't, don't turn around. Don't turn around. You see how it plays out? It plays out in nations. It plays out in families. It plays out in my life. It plays out in your life. We have to turn around so that you can move forward. So that by God's grace, you can look back at the patterns in your life, the patterns in your family. You can look back at that brokenness and say, I'm going to break free. By God's grace, I will break free from this. And so I'm going to have the courage to say, there's divorce in my family. I'm going to recognize it. There's addiction in my family. I'm going to name it as such. There's abuse in my family. There's financial struggle in my family. There's depression in my family. There's suicide in my family. There's shame in my family. I'm going to name these things. I'm going to name these things. And God, by your spirit, it ends with me. It ends with me. I'm not going to hand these off to another generation. God, by your grace, by your power, by your spirit, I can't get there on my own, but God, you can. And if I'm ever going to have a breakthrough in my life, I have to name the brokenness that came before me so that I don't carry it on to the next generation. Can we thank these folks who stood in as your family today? Thank you. Listen, this is critical spiritual work. It is. It's, we see what happens in a family when they refuse to do it. You see it play out. And there's other families we could walk through in the Bible too. You see it play out. And again, the encouraging thing is, you know what's so crazy is that even Jesus's family had brokenness, his earthly family. And you know what the even crazier thing is? All these folks that we just read about, that's who Jesus came from. They're his people. So there's hope. There's hope. There's hope for you. And I, I, I've tried as best I can to, to, to spend the last, I don't know, two decades of my life, as best I can, to do this kind of work. I want to do this kind of work. And I've sought the help of, of counselors and I've sought the help of therapists and, and spiritual directors, asking God to help me see what came before me so that I can be free from it. And over the years, I've done all kinds of things from therapy to, to genograms where I kind of map out all of the, just the facts of my family, just kind of map it out so I can see it honestly to therapy based role, role playing where I have people actually act as different members of my family. I'm, I'm like, God, whatever tool you got, whatever thing you want me to do so that I can be free, this work is worth it. Yeah. Prayers of releasing yeah. prayers of forgiveness, prayers of breaking bondages in my family. And I want to be really clear. It's not because my family is so messed up. I told you in the beginning, I love my family. My mom's watching right now. She's so nervous right now. I'm not going to say any specifics, mom. I love you. I'm not going to name names. I just want to be free. I want to be free. Don't you? I want to see. I want to be honest. I want to have compassion for my family. I want to be free. And I had to learn a long time ago as I began to do this work and dig into the red flags in my own family, I had to learn a long time ago that honesty is not dishonoring. And some of y'all came from a family that's like, no, 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 if you bring that up, no, you aren't loyal to us. No. Red flag. Honesty is not dishonoring. 
And I don't do this work and ask God to bring liberation and freedom, not from my family, but for my family. I don't do this work so that I can stand as a victim and say, well, look, I had no other choice. I mean, grandpa, if he wouldn't have done this and my aunt hadn't done this, I can't help my, I'm not a victim. I stand victorious in Jesus Christ. That's who I am. And I'm not, I don't see them as the villain. They're not the bad guys. They're people who were carrying their own burdens and maybe didn't know or didn't have the tools to bring that to the light. I don't stand in judgment of them. I don't blame them. I love them. And I want to be free. Don't you? I want to be able to see them clearly and understand them better and love them and accept them and forgive them so that they can be free. That's the work. That's the work. That's the work. That's the work. If I got to work my way through my whole family tree, I'll do it because the work is worth it. You're worth it. Your family is worth you doing this work. And by God's grace, my hope is that you can say it ends with me. It ends in this generation. By God, by your grace, your power, your spirit, it ends here. That's my hope and my prayer for you, that you would truly be free. That you would truly be free. Not bound or, or, or burdened or, or, or stuck or enslaved to that which is broken in your family, but that you would break those patterns through the power of God at work within you. And we want to help however we can for you to do just that. We believe this is spiritually critical work that all of us can do and all of us need to do. And if you've been around here for a little while, you've heard me mention, as I just did, how counseling, how therapists have been such a critical tool that God has used for my own transformation. And if you've been around here for a little bit, you've maybe heard us talk about how we have this list that we've spent years vetting so that we can say to folks who want to seek that next step, here's some folks that we really trust. Here's some folks that can help you do this work. And I am blown away by the folks in our church who said, yeah, I'm, I'm well, I've never done that before but I'm willing to actually seek professional help so that I can break these things that have been bondage in my life. I can break these cycles and patterns. I'm blown away by how many folks in our church, how normal it is to seek help when it comes to your soul. And if anyone here needs or wants to take that next step, maybe you've been like, I don't know, man, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm not sure. Well, we just want to encourage you. The work is worth it. You are worth it. God uses that process that healing work, that naming work, that freeing work to bring about your transformation. And so if you want to just check out that, that list that we have, there should be a little code that pops up here. There it is, a code that pops up. You can just grab your phone right now. And, and maybe for you, it's, you know, you can say you're doing it for a friend, but right, but it's for you. But just say, oh yeah, I need to get this for so-and-so. Cool. Just get it. Just get it. Just get it. And go through there. And if you need some help, like I'm not sure, we want to help however we can. Two of the therapists on there have been therapists of mine. I'm just telling you, the work is worth it. Your freedom is worth it. This is what Jesus came to do, is to set you free. This is what he did at the cross. That work is done. This is what he's doing in this now moment. He wants to set you free. He made you to be free. Again, not free from your family, but free for your family so that you can love them more wholly and completely like God loves them and like he loves you. Free for your future family so that you don't have to hand these things down one more generation to see them and love them just like God loves you. Listen, no family, no family, not mine, not yours. No family is perfect. Every family is both beautiful and broken. They just are. 
No family is just one or the other. Every family is beautiful and broken, which means every family needs to be held with both grief and gratitude. Grief and gratitude. And God has formed your soul in such a way to hold both for your family. He made you in such a way that you don't have to no longer be held back or held down by the red flags in your family. Because listen, here's the last thing I want you to get and then I'm done here today. Listen, you can't choose your family, but you can choose freedom today. You didn't get a vote in your family. You just kind of came into it, but you can choose freedom today. Jesus, I want to be free, the freedom that you offer. I didn't get to choose that, but I'm choosing this. I want to be free free from those patterns and those cycles, free to love, free to forgive, free to move forward in faith, free to see, free to name, free to be all of who you created me to be. That is the promise of Jesus. Found in Galatians 5.1, he says it's for freedom, it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. That's the point of all of this, for freedom, that he did what he did so that you can experience freedom today, so that you don't have to actually be bound anymore by those chains of slavery. You don't have to, you can actually stand firm and move forward with God because of the freedom that he offers you today. That freedom is yours today. Just say, yes, Jesus, yes, I want, I want that freedom. That's what God designed you for. That's what he desires for you. And it can be yours. You can begin to experience today. And I just want to say this word. It's the last thing. I said the last thing like five times. This is the real last thing. I just want to encourage you, those of you who are doing this work and are willing to do this work, I just want to encourage you that it does take time. This healing, this freeing. If it took generations to get to you, it's not going to be over in a day. One session but the work is worth it. And God, I believe is inviting you into it today. So would you stand? I want to pray for you. And we're going to pray and close out and just declare, Jesus, you did it. You did it. I have a new story to tell, a new legacy be born out of me. And I want to pray with you. And I want to pray for you as one of your pastors right now. So if you'd be willing to join me, open up your heart, maybe open up your hands as a symbol of your presence and willingness to say yes to Jesus. Let me just pray. Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you that you made us to be free and then you did what you only you could do so that we could truly be free. And we know that we can't ignore this stuff. We can't pretend like it's not there and we can't get stuck in this. You didn't create us to be stuck in this. You created us for freedom. And so Jesus, would you do today what you said you would do? Would you set hearts free? I pray for my dear brothers and sisters here today, some of whom, even as we talk about family, there's been things that have been brought up today that just bring up so much hurt, so much pain, so many wounds. Oh, Holy Spirit, would your healing work pour out in this place like a balm for wounded souls in this now moment and in moments to come. Would you heal? Would you restore? Would you renew so that a new story can be told in you? Jesus, we thank you that you came from a family and you put us in a family and you have so much more in store than we could even imagine. So help us to see it, to believe it and to move forward in faith today, we pray in your name. Amen.